Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. I am Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How you doing, guys? Hey, how you doing today? All right. I'm good, and it's sunny. It's been sunny for like two days in a row. Man. Let the sunshine. And, and, and not raining. It's like, yeah. man, uh, it was, yeah. I mean, even my dogs were kind of looking at me like, this is nuts. This is BS, man. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was like six straight days. But by sad, by Sunday, I was just waking up going like, I cannot take another day of Because well, I, I thought on this, they had told us Friday will be done, at least for a day, and then we'll be back on the weekend. I went, okay, I can deal with it if there's a break. And it just kept straight on through. I'm just like, I was like, I was like on Saturday, I, I – told brit i said unless it's raining sideways after dinner i'm going to the holy ground i need to i need to go <laughs> get out of the house and do something said and luckily it wasn't raining sideways so i went and had some guinness um so cool all right well hopefully it'll keep on being sunny and uh but hopefully i hopefully we didn't like spend our whole allowance on rain for you know last week and we gets droughty uh, can can drought oh, no. be a word? Coming uh, back this coming back this weekend. Yep. So, what we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk uh, geeky stuff. And you know, I we're gonna mix it up a little bit again tonight. There's gonna be a little bit of Marvel, um, a little bit of uh, um, Star Wars, and uh, but the main topic is we're gonna be talking about the legend that is Boba Fett. Um, so that'll be the the bulk of our conversation tonight. Um, but uh, let's start off, as always, though, with some trivia to get our brain wrapped around. This is going to be uh, Star Wars trivia. And yes, if this was a video podcast, you would have seen I just put on my readers so I could actually read these things. And wow, these are so clear. All right. So, Dave, what forest dweller is described as a, quote, jittery little thing? Wicket. I, you know, and I would have accepted Ewok because we didn't know his name. Actually, do we ever hear his name being Wicket in that? Oh, no. They never speak his name. Oh, in the... and by the way, so sad news. Uh, the the guy who, uh, I don't remember the actor's name, um, but he's the one who played the Ewok who was on the hang glider and dropping rocks, but he was also Tweaky in Buck Rogers. Um, he passed away this past week. So... <laughs> And actually, when I first I saw, oh, it was the Ewok who dropped the rocks. I was like, but then when I noticed he was Tweaky, I was like, oh, that was no, no. Actually, you you want to be okay. His name is Felix Silla. He was best known character actually was cousin It. That's right, cousin. He was also cousin It in yeah. the original Adams Family. 1960s. But dude, but dude, He's... Tweaky. I mean, that Buck oh, yeah. Ro- that Buck Rogers series that you're man you're hitting the feels with me on that one because that's a, oh yes that was an awesome series all right so i digress was. um so dave got wicket he is correct um all right fredo who does darth sidious intentionally mislead in saying quote when my new apprentice darth vader arrives he will take care of you okay i'm thinking it's episode three so i should know this uh it's uh newt gunray it is Newt Gunray. Yes, it is. And, and I'm sorry, when anybody says, take care of you, start running. Yeah. <laughs> they never mean it in the good way. I love the way that he emphasized it, too. He will take care of you. Right. <laughs> All right. So to me, what article of clothing does Luke begin wearing midway through Return of the Jedi? That would be a corset. No, it's a glove. It is a glove. Yes. Now I just got everybody thinking of Mark Hamill in a corset. Um, <laughs> so there we go. I was thinking of him in a poncho on Endor. Yeah. I suppose that would have been an acceptable answer. See, if I was a trivia jockey and you would have come up with that, I would have said, yes, I will accept I will accept poncho. I would have accepted helmet because he wore a helmet halfway through the movie as well. Right. See? You don't have to, it, I would have been flexible. So, all right. Um, cool. Well, now that we're all warmed up, um, we already talked about a little bit of news, but Fredo, what else do we got going on in the universe of geekdom? 
Okay, so let's start off with some, uh, not quite merchandising, but uh, some merchandising. Yeah, potential. Uh, East Bristol Auctions is going to be auctioning off approximately 600 items from the state of David Prowse. Uh, it's going to involve collectibles, memorabilia from both his time uh, with um, Star Wars, but also stuff autographed to him by fellow friends and other people in the industry, NASA astronauts. Uh, something I didn't realize, he trained Christopher Reeve for the role of Superman, so he got some stuff signed by him. So obviously the, the bulk of the stuff is all Star Wars, Darth Vader related, but you know, um, I've always I've always said, you know, the autographs that I have, I love it because it says to Aaron, you know, so it's personal to me. But he's got one in this estate sale that is from Mark Hamill to him, and it's it's signed like I think it says, "Dear Dad." You know, you'll and, always it says, "You'll always be Dad Vader to me, your loving son, Mark yeah. Hamill." And I'm just like, man, that might be worth putting a bid on. I don't know, has anybody bid on that yet? Is that well no well some of the items you can put a bid on and you know the prices range from about 15 20 english pounds to several hundred uh some of the items are only going to go on live for the auction on the date which guess what the date is well now i know two things that are happening on this date. yeah exactly may the 4th, may the 4th. <laughs> so yes uh you can view the catalog ahead of uh, through uh, East Bristol Company as uh, a uh, website, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of different stuff. Stuff signed to David Prowse, stuff, stuff signed by David Prowse, stuff he collected. Uh, you know, a lot, a good, good portion of the funds is going to be going to Alzheimer's research in the UK. So, you know, they're they're looking to continue um, uh, some of his charitable work there. So, awesome. Yeah. And I, uh, <clears throat> by the way, I I kind of leaked something there. I don't know and. So we can edit this out if need to, Dave. But uh, do we want to talk about what else is going on on May the fourth? Yeah, I we think we're. It. Yeah, I think we're all locked in at this point for the most part. Uh, we're planning to uh, visit our friends at Zony Mesh uh, for a May the fourth event for Give Nola Day, and uh, it should be a, a good time there. Um, a band's playing. We're going to be handing out a little bit of merch. A little, bit of, um, a little bit of who dat jedi swag yep free free swag you know that's always a good thing so uh and we may even try to do, do a little bit of recording while they're there yeah so I, I think we're i think we're gonna have to get people involved in some trivia so um i will i will bring the trivial pursuit dvd star wars saga edition cards so um you know you might we'll we'll you might find yourself on the who dat jedi podcast so um We'll, uh, yeah, we'll tweet out some more details as we get closer. But yeah, I think uh, May the 4th, Zony Mash. So mark Be your calendars now. Beer, bands, Star Wars. It just sounds like a perfect night. So cool. All right. So sorry, Fredo. We uh, we stepped all over your newscast. Keep on going. Not, not at all. Not at all. Because that's important news. Uh, so next bit of news. Actually, it's not so much news. It's more interesting sidebar because... I know we discussed a lot how the finale of uh, season two of The Mandalorian kind of hit us. So uh, last uh, few days ago, Star Wars Explained was having a special event and Katie Sackhoff was on their stream as they were promoting National Youth HIV AIDS Awareness Day. And they started talking about Mandalorian. And they started talking about the final episode when Luke Skywalker shows up. During the chat, Katie Sackhoff revealed that the cast of The Mandalorian was told not that Luke would turn up, but that it was Plo Koon, who was the Jedi showing up at the end of the finale. Who to, apparently survived the fiery explosion in episode three, but whatever. Exactly. You know, he gets shut down. His uh, starfighter crashes onto a building. And we see him go up in a ball of flame, but he actually survived. Do you think, do you think uh, there was anybody on the cast that actually like pushed those buttons? Like, hey, well, well, wait a minute. So he survived? Yeah, he survived. What? How did how did he survive? Because there was an explosion and he was flying as Jedi. I mean, I would have been that guy, and they would have just shut up. He survived. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guilty. Now, <laughs> now, to be fair, I mean, yes, it would it would have immediately prompted the wait. How did you survive? We literally saw you 
go up in a ball of fire. At the same time, though, I mean, there you know there is a connection between Plo Koon and Ahsoka, so it would have been interesting. I mean, would we have gone, oh, cool, it's Plo Koon, and do you think that moment would have hit better or differently at all if it's not Luke? And they they keep the uh, the Star Wars tradition of lying, you know, in the script, you know. Uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, if you don't want stuff to leak that's what you do you know mm-hmm. so it's an interesting question though because um i think for the super geeks it would have been like whoa that's cool how did he survive all these questions would begin to circulate and for the people who don't pay that close attention they'd be like well who's this guy but like that kind of thing works for marvel because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that here in a couple minutes Right. Um, there was another cameo this week, and if you don't know who that person is, like, wait, what? Um, but part of the fun is like, okay, well, let me get on the internet and go look uh, up who this character is. I, at least I think so. Right, right, and and I just think it's uh, it's just interesting. I mean, they obviously asked Katie has some of the stuff, maybe potentially season three stuff, and she, you know, being an expert at deflecting stuff, she deflected most of the questions. Uh, she does say she's very much looking forward to the Bad Batch. So apparently, uh, uh, again, she was asked if she's in it and she deflected. So but she's looking forward to it. And I would imagine if you're an actor and, you know, on, on set, they say, yeah, it's going to be Plo Koon. And you probably know, all right, I'm just not going to ask too many questions, you know, because I, I, I like this gig and I want to keep this gig. So, um yeah, it would have been interesting to see if, if they had been told it's Luke, if they had played the scene any differently. You know, because obviously they have. I mean, I'm trying to think. Luke has no connection to Bo-Katan or uh, Caradoon or any of the other characters. You know, the however, I think, and I, I'm still, I'm just hammering this. You know, make make the lie plausible. You know, <laughs> it's like. Um, Mace Windu would have been an easier one for people to swallow because we didn't technically see him. I mean, yeah, he flew out a window, but we've seen Jedi like fall like, you know, a long ways before. But a, a starfighter being blown up, you know. I mean, that was, I mean if they're willing to cut, sell the bowl so. of fire. Anyway, yeah. um, so like I said, not to belabor a point, but yeah. Dave Filoni, if you're going to lie next time, lie a little bit better. Pick somebody better. Uh Speaking of lying, well, not necessarily lying. This is more rumor. Rumor. Uh, rumor. So take it with a grain of salt. So apparently, uh, at the only certainty is that uh, actress Chloe Bennett, who you probably know, Aaron, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. Yep. She was Daisy. Yeah. Exactly. And she's going to be cast. She's been cast in the new version of Powerpuff Girls. Anyway, there's reports that she's up for a number of roles within the Star Wars universe. It seems like the most likely that she's being considered for is a live action version of Dr. Afra, who, for those not in the know, Dr. Afra is a archaeologist character that exists in the Star Wars universe. She has her own comic book line. Uh, she goes searching for Jedi relics, right? Exactly. Yeah. She, she, she's under, kind of sort of under the employ of Darth Vader in the time of the uh, Empire slash Rebellion. Uh, she's a, you know, they, they've stated that she's very much a gray character morally. She's kind of like Indiana Jones, but a woman. And the book has been a success with audiences and fans, a comic book line. It's won awards for uh, its positive LGBTQ uh, um, uh, stories and characters. And so the idea is maybe they're looking to develop that character as either a recurring character in one of the other shows we'll see or potentially spin her into her own show. I mean, yeah, right now we're, we're just playing. What if this is all rumor, but right. that, that would actually be a really good show. That would be something like you mentioned online today, Fredo. It's like it, it has a lot of possibilities that, and it wouldn't be also too hung up on lore, lore and, and, you know, uh, cameo needing needed cameos and stuff like that i don't know i think it'd be i think it'd be kind of cool when i mentioned it to brit she's like i'm there for that i mean it was like the whole like i said i said india just what you said is like kind of an indiana jones you know type thing in star wars she's like i'm, I'm all over that i don't know mm-hmm. dave what do you thought what were we thinking yeah i'm all in i mean that'd be great and to your point like 
I feel like even with a character like Ahsoka, you're sort of everybody's like, okay, well, what about Ezra? What about all these other Rebels characters? What about all the people she's interacted with? And it, and so then it becomes you're you're sort of stuck, like you said, having to answer all of these kinds of uh, bells for all the, all these fans and. And with Dr. Aphra, like you said, it's just not as well established. A lot of people haven't read the comics. Um, it's just, you know, cool. It's almost blightish. And not to belabor Marvel again, but, you know, this is kind of one of the best things they do. They take these characters that aren't necessarily um, well established in the comics, you know, characters who are sort of like, it's funny when you read the encyclopedias of all these characters it reads like a biography of things they did but it doesn't give you any sort of character traits right so in, in essence a lot of these comic characters are sort of blank slates when you bring them over into into film properties and so i on, on that and in, in, in essence she'd be like that and i'd be all for it hey you know i think you know in terms of this she's not tethered to the continuity where we, you know, there will be fans of the comic books who will want to see some of the stuff from the comic books transition too, but because she's uh, new enough and relatively speaking, it's not something where there's vested all this uh, mandate that you have, like I said, all this baggage that they have to carry. Like, you know, the moment you saw Ahsoka, you had to wear Sestra, and the moment you see Tan, it's like, where's the Mandalorian? So all that other stuff that comes with, so... No. I think it could be a very light, as much as a light show can be about, you know, where every now and again you might see Darth Vader, you know, wipe out a planet. Well, and her, her droids are assassin droids, but, you know, so. Um, but however, you know, speaking about Marvel, because there is one last bit of news that came through today, and I'll just throw this one out there. It, I saw it on Variety, so it's pretty, yeah. I mean, this isn't like some random dude's you know, blog. I mean. This is from her, Amelia Clark going to be in uh, the Eternals. We don't know what character, but uh... well, it's not just the Eternals. She's officially been is in final negotiations, according to Variety, to join Secret Invasion. Oh, Secret Invasion. That's right. Uh, not the yeah, Eternals. Secret so, Invasion. Yeah, Secret Invasion, which is going to be a show for Disney Plus. Yeah. And so we go from one former Marvel show to a future Marvel show, uh, which uh, they already got Samuel L. Jackson and. Ben Mendelsohn coming back from their uh, Captain Marvel roles. They also got Kingsley Benadire, who's going to play the villain, and then Olivia Coleman in as well. So yeah, this is supposed to be the secret scroll invasion. The scrolls being those shape-shifting aliens that we saw in Captain Marvel, and how there's factions within within the scrolls, and some of them have been infiltrating uh, Earth for years and kind of taking over certain things. So. They don't say what role she's going to play, but obviously, uh, you know, it goes to the pull that Disney and Marvel are having right now on on Hollywood that they can go, hey, you want to come? You know, we know you played over there. You want to come play in our in our sandbox? And he goes, sure. Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make uh, call an audible here um, because our news, uh, you know, just because I I don't want to sure. shortchange. Uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier recap. How about if we uh, recap the final two episodes um, next week? That be That's all right, good. so we can give a, a so we don't just you know hustle through something uh, because I need you guys to explain something to me. Um, and that was we had a big trailer come out uh, a couple days ago, and it was the trailer for the upcoming Marvel movie Shang Chi, and I watched it. All right, but can you can you explain to me what what this is all about? Because it just kind of right, right now it just looks like a you know a kung fu movie, you know, um, which I don't. Okay, I'm first not, of all, I'm not to, to help, it, but, but talk. Tell me, tell me, it's like how does this fit into Marvel lore? What is this? You know, you guys have to educate me here. Okay, let's start with the basics. Do you remember Iron Man one? Yes. Do you remember Iron Man three? Yes. What was the organization that the, the villain, the alleged villain in Iron Man 3 uh, worked for or represented? Okay, well, I can't remember the name of it, oh, so I'd be that, failing trivia, but... Um, so, no, the organization was the Ten Rings. Ten Rings, okay. And if you look at the, the Oh, the, man, the, the movie, Mandarin, the, right? The Mandarin, okay. Exactly, exactly. And that, and then if there was a, 
a DVD specific um, short film that showed Ben Kingsley getting rescued out of prison and hinted at the presence of an actual quote unquote Mandarin. So that's who you allegedly are supposed to be watching Shang-Chi battling. Okay, so background story. The 10 rings referred to in the comic books to actually 10 specific rings of alien origin that bestow upon the person wearing them specific powers. With them, the 10 rings have become a powerful criminal underworld organization of assassins and uh, traffickers and every kind of, you know, they're involved, they've been involved in the ruling of Asia. Was this, under... was this Marvel's answer to Green Lantern with the ring or something or? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, what's interesting is this was, this was all invented to, they were originally because the Mandarin is officially and originally the arch nemesis of Iron Man. Remember, Iron Man, yeah. mm-hmm. when it's created in the 60s, was created in Vietnam, not Afghanistan. So that's kind of where the, you know some of the ideas come from. I mean, of course, this is all adaptation from the 1960s. I mean, Shang-Chi, if you go look at Marvel's, like the Marvelpedia uh, entry, Shang-Chi's dad, technically speaking, is Fu Manchu, which tells okay. you kind of, <laughs> exactly, kind of tells you kind of where they were going. Uh, the character has floated. He's been an Avenger. He's been a secret Avenger. He's been one of the heroes for hire with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. He's been involved with Daredevil. So the idea is that he's a very proficient martial artist who, because of his background with the Ten Rings, has access to alien weaponry, technology, and abilities. So as... Uh, Dave, Dave just gave you a passing grade on your synopsis there, Fredo. Mm-hmm. Um, but so as you guys are totally in the know, when you see this trailer, how geeked out were you? Dave, how geeked out were you when you saw this trailer? I mean, hugely because, but because of what you, you led with, which is the Kung Fu aspects of it, which is just like, oh my gosh, this is like the best of Chinese cinema, uh, like all the best traits that you can think of wrapped up into this trailer because this is like just beautifully shot beautifully choreographed um you know with the slow some of the slow motion i know that people's mileage varies with some of the slow motion shots but um some of that stuff is always welcome for me and um yeah i i got really excited about it on that level you know like my brain goes to like crouching tiger it goes to some of those kinds of films that we that just stand the test of time. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm here for that. I'm here for that in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a good way to bring this character and this element of Marvel lore. I mean, Marvel tried to do it via their television arm uh, a few years back with Iron Fist. And that landed like, uh, like a dead fish on the floor. <laughs> just in terms of how... This is the old kind of Marvel Comics mindset of, you know, yeah, we're going to tell of Asian's background, Asian stories and Asian legends, but we're going to use a white dude to tell them, you know, the the Kung Fu, the, the TV show kind of version of things, which uh, didn't work and now it's not appropriate. So, I, I mean, what, what's interesting, I don't know if you ever seen, there's a Canadian TV comedy called, comedy drama called Kim's Convenience, which uh, where Simu Liu is coming from and I think it's it's something that people kind of like, and uh, so um, and then uh, what's his name? Uh, Appa, uh, Paul Sung Hyun Lee, which is yeah. the, uh, the 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 X Wing pilot. pilot. Yeah, he also was a star in there as well. So now is kind is of, this, this going to be a, a theater release, or is it going to be a Disney Plus, or is it going to be both? Theater, theater only. It's wow. not going to be Black Widow is going to supposed to be Disney Plus plus movies. This is in September. Disney feels they can just put this out in theaters only. And they are, I'm guessing their hope is this is their next big hit. Well, we, we, we shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So like I said, I, I you know, watched the trailer and was just kind of like, ah, it kind of looks cool, but I just didn't, you know, right now it doesn't fit within the paradigm of the Marvel universe that I've been, you know, mm-hmm. introduced to this past year. Um, they've done such a good job of that though of folding all these different genres in 
So you when you, you start with Iron Man, you're like, okay, this is all very reality based, and then then all of a sudden you've got like Norse gods, and then you've got this Americana thing going with Captain America and the stars and the stripes, and then the, you go to the alien stuff, and and it just you know with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know they Doctor Strange introduced wizards and. Uh, you've got mutants at this point with Scarlet Witch and um, like all of this stuff, they've just folded in kind of organically over time. And uh, you, you go along with it because you're like, okay, well, this is, these are the rules that you've laid down for me and you're following those rules. And so I can go along with it. You know, sure. it's interesting as you're rattling all those off. I, I mean, the, a lot of those titles though, I mean, I never read an Iron Man comic book, but I knew about Iron Man. I never read a Thor comic book, but I knew about Thor. Where Marvel made me go, who are these people? I'm sorry, Lucy. Yes, I never read a Thor comic book. Um, <laughs> but um, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I was like, well, what is this? I'd never heard of Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, I think I think Marvel, though, has... Obviously, they've got a lot of good stock because... I'm willing to give this movie a try, even though I have no idea what Shang-Chi is about because they've, they've performed, you know, they've performed at a high level for so long. So, um, but it'll be, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see as the Marvel universe gets really saturated movie wise, if they start getting a little sloppy, you know, down the road, it'd just be interesting to see. Well, yeah, it's, what I will say is, you know, the one thing, you know, the last year has given them time to reassess and they've had to do some major reassessment given some of the dynamics that have been in play, namely the loss of Chadwick Boseman and how that's mandated a rewrite of everything they've had in plan for this next phase because Black Panther was going to be such a central key figure to everything um, that I imagine they know okay, not only when they want to release stuff out, but the way they want stuff to come out and the way that they're hoping things kind of line up. Uh, look, you know, at some point we keep, you know, we might say at some point they're going to trip up on something. And, you know, so far it hasn't happened. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. hard. Kinda... Every, every band has Chicago 17 in their, uh, you know. Right. They have that <laughs> one up. Like, <laughs> Sorry. That's that's when Chicago jumped the shark for me, everybody. Um, but okay, well, okay, cool. Well, thank you for explaining uh, Shang Chi to me. I feel a little bit better about that. Um, so, but let's now go into waters that uh, are more familiar to me, and uh, let's let's talk about Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. The Legend of Boba Fett. And by the way, we, we talked about this last <laughs> week. Did you guys watch uh, the the Faithful Wookiee? The story of the Faithful Wookiee. Uh, you know, so for those of you you know listening for the first time or whatever, um, you know Boba Fett made his first appearance ever in the um, Star Wars hol- the infamous Star Wars Holiday Special, and um, it, as a cartoon, and um, Disney actually released that that animated short that's the only part of the star wars holiday special that is like in been released in some official capacity and it's so it's on disney plus as part of their vintage series and so uh yeah i watched i watched it uh um you know this past week uh i don't know what what do you guys think did you re- did you remember it at all or are you just remembering the images that you've seen I didn't see the holiday special until I was a grown adult. Um, and uh, there was like a laugh tracks uh, thing over the top of this. So it was, it was very much like mystery science theater where, you know, people are just like making fun of the, this holiday special as it's occurring. So this is my introduction to all of this. Um, and this was, I don't know, five, five years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny though because like people who had watched this during its original airing or had seen it on YouTube or whatever, always said like, okay, it's yeah, the holiday special is terrible, but this Boba Fett cartoon is awesome. 
And that was always how it was framed to me. And I'm not sure I got that sort of vibe from yeah, the Yeah, I didn't I didn't really get awesome either. Um I mean what's awesome about it is that you have James Earl Jones voicing Darth Vader, you have Mark Hamill voicing um uh Luke Skywalker. Dar- yeah, you just looked at me weird, Fredo. Darth Vader does make a little bit of no, a snippet no, in there. No, no, I'm saying I'm thinking more uh uh Mark Hamill voices a very weird looking well, you want to talk about weird. You want to talk about weird looking. How I'm come? Solo. No. How come? How come? R two R two like you know bends and weaves and stuff. It's it's weird animation, folks. Weirdly enough, that didn't bug me. It's like when I saw Han Solo, and it looked like, why does he look like uh, one of the Beatles in Yellow Submarine? Well, that must be where Big Headed Han, you know, the the action figure, you know, came from. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, but the whole the whole. Uh, cartoon it's like boba fett is played off as a good guy and everybody's mm-hmm. like oh our new friend boba fett and even c-3po is like oh well, you know he's you know he's our he's our ally or whatever and then of course he turns heel at the end and you know so um so check it out on, on disney plus but that was his first introduction and then um and before we're, what we're going to be talking about tonight we're going to talk about kind of uh what is what is canon about um boba fett um, we're also going to talk about his uh, appearances then in the Clone Wars because that's canon. But then we're going to talk about Legends because there's a you know he has a even different story um, in the Star Wars Legends or the expanded universe, whatever you want to call it about. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about what we think is Book of Boba Fett might be about after we parse through all this stuff. Um, but first, I do want to say this: after this holiday special, then it was. They they introduced the figure of Boba Fett before Empire Strikes Back came out. Here's the new baddie from the Empire Strikes Back, and I remember seeing that on the back of an action figure card. And I just I didn't order one, but you know, cause didn't get a lot of those things. But I was just like, this looks so cool. And I think that's kind of if Boba Fett has anything on his his epitaph would be he looks so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't remember. I was gonna say I don't remember seeing him before Empire Strikes Back. I don't remember any of this. Um, but I do remember seeing him in Empire Strikes Back. And like you said, that's that's what is going on his gravestone. He looked cool. All right. So that, that was, I was just gonna say real quick. Uh, yeah, even even in the in the animated uh, Faithful Wookiee short. He from the first moment he's like it's like coolest coolest bad you know bad you know baddest mf should have been you know the title underneath him because from the moment you see him like he's riding, a dinosaur. Not, he's riding a freaking dinosaur i mean so yeah it's like his street cred kind of goes out the window just a little bit but uh mm-hmm. but yeah no i mean it's it was the coolest looking thing um all right so, so aaron did you remember uh seeing him in the no, I, don't, I don't remember seeing him the holiday. I just all my recollections come from what I have you know like seen pictures of or read about so um and so I was uh yeah because I was I mean I was only what about five when that came out or whatever it was maybe younger I don't know I thought he was cool but I, did, I was never a stan even at an early age you know what I, I mean like I always thought I always thought Boba Fett was awesome. I mean, from from when I saw him in The Empire Strikes Back, just I, I especially that that scene of um, you know going into the dining room and Vader stands up and you know Boba Fett comes out. Uh, I think that was what growing up that was probably my favorite scene in all of Empire Strikes Back. It was just so it was just so cool. Um, all right, so real quick on Wikipedia, you can actually look up Boba Fett and they have tabs for Canon and legends. Um, so <laughs> pardon my cough. Um, I do want to just give you a little bit of what, and I'm going to skim through some of this of what Boba's Canon history is. Um, so Boba Fett is an unaltered clone, by the way, not going to be talking about clone wars, the series through this little recap. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so Boba Fett is the unaltered clone of Django Fett. Uh, and um, so we first meet him in episode two, Attack of the Clones. Um, he was created on the planet Kamino as a result of an arrangement between the Sith Lord, Darth Tyrannus, and Jango Fett. 
a Mandalorian foundling who served as the uh, template for the Grand Army of the Republic, all the clones. Um, so he was an unaltered clone, which means that um, he just he didn't have the growth accelerator and stuff like that. Um, and I guess there is a little bit of Clone Wars stuff in here because uh, Jango gets killed, you know, in episode two. And uh, Boba sought vengeance by attempting to assassinate Mace Windu, um, although the plan proved unsuccessful. And after serving time in prison on Coruscant, Fett took up his late father's profession as bounty hunter, working alongside other mercenaries such as Bosk, Dengar, and Asajj Ventress. Uh, in the aftermath of the Clone Wars, Fett continued to make a name for himself while working for the Hut gangster. Did you know that Jabba actually has like a middle and last name? Jabba, no. I can't even read it. Um, <laughs> Jabba Dasilic Cure. I don't know. I I don't know where that came from. It's Jabba the Hut. Um, as well as the Sith Lord Darth Vader during the Galactic Civil War, Fett transported. Han Solo to Jabba's palace on Tatooine and then got, you know, knocked into the Sarlacc pit. And um, then although he survived the ordeal of the Sarlacc pit, he was not digested over a thousand years. His armor was sold to Cobb Vanth. We learned that in the uh, Mandalorian. Um, it was sold to Co Cobb Vanth by some Jawas. And um, Din Djarin got his armor back for and gave it back to Boba Fett and um, after helping Din rescue the foundling Grogu, uh, Fett returned to Tatooine where he killed Bib Fortuna and claimed the late Jabba's throne with Fennec Shand by his side. That's So now let's talk about the Clone Wars side of things because they do kind of uh, dive a little bit deeper. He, he is like not just teaming up, but he's kind of the leader of the bounty hunters, right? I mean, Bosk and, and Dengar, and there's some others in there, and they're kind of going up against Aura Singh. But he, I mean, they, they call him boss all the time. So, I don't know. what. Talk to me about Boba Fett and the Clone Wars. Well, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic because he's still very young, and particularly as, you know, the, what was it, the episodes where he tries to sabotage the um, uh, the ship, so he can, or he infiltrates the ship with all the training clones, so he can get at Mace Windu. It's a rather interesting one because he's still relatively young in age. But I think the first time we see him, though, I think the first time we see him, though, wasn't it when they were? Uh, uh, is this when Asajj Ventress joins them and they're like hijacking a train and trying to kidnap mm -hmm. some? bit of royalty because he's wearing it he's not wearing the mandalorian helmet he's wearing a different helmet um do the clone wars ever get to him wearing the mandalorian stuff we do see no. slave one i do know that mm -hmm. no, that's a good I, question yeah i don't think we ever see him in in the in the uh, now there was some the, animatics that dave filoni showed at uh one of star wars celebrations of um Boba Fett versus um, uh, Cad Bane in like a standoff and, you know, Old West type thing. And it explains how Boba Fett got the dent on his helmet, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so I don't know, any other, you know, like I said, Clone Wars does expand on him. It shows him as a very, he's, he's ticked off. I mean, he is, obvi I mean, obviously his father was murdered in front of him. He doesn't like, you know, he's just, very, very much on this angry and destructive path. Um, it's kind of different than the cool, calm and cool Boba Fett that we see in the movies, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, he's actually a little bit more of an angsty teen than Anakin Skywalker is. <laughs> yeah, I, it makes sense too. I, you know, um, I, I did actually. I was one of the people who enjoyed his turn in Attack of the Clones. It, it you know it stretches credibility when you talk about the galaxy and how all these characters are interrelated and they keep running across one another and oh wait so and so is this other person's uncle or whatever um but um i liked it you know i liked his relationship with his father i liked how that all um came to a head 
in the arena at um, Django biting off more than he could chew and uh, Boba having to deal with the consequences of that afterwards. And um, then attack of then the um, Clone Wars just did a good job of just sort of building off of that story. It's like they could have ignored it completely if they wanted to. You know, talk but, about it. Talk about it. That's interesting. You say ignore because I think we're all ignoring all of what you just said when we watch the Mandalorian and we see Boba Fett helping out Din Djarin and being the hero. And we got to remember, there's not much that we have seen of Boba Fett that tells us that he's a good guy. No, he's he's very much, well, in some ways he takes a lot after his father. He is very gray, very neutral. He has certain goals he wants to accomplish, but those are his goals. If you're in his way, he'll cut you down, whether you're you know, a, a fleet of stormtroopers or uh, Republic soldiers. He's He has no compunction about that. So it's it's an interesting character because in some ways, whereas you know, you can look at the spectrum of good and evil with, say, Luke and Yoda on one side and Darth Vader and Palpatine on the other, in some weird ways, Boba Fett and Han Solo are the greatest characters, particularly one for you know, Han at the start. But you can totally tell that Han is moving towards the light. But Boba Fett still always stays very much in that gray area where sometimes you work for the good guys, sometimes you work for the bad guys. It's all a question of whether or not you can afford it. It's it's kind of an interesting thing because within the context of the original trilogy, he's um, very much a reflection of what Han Solo was. Because mm-hmm. Han Solo was the scoundrel. He was the person gunning down people. and The guy with a price, you know. Right. No, so- but it's, as he said, it's very true. In some ways, uh, Boba Fett is a reflection of what Han, Han was at Particularly at the start of A New Hope, when we meet him, he is very much very gray. Hey, Dave's back. Now, if I ever get a chance to ask Dave Filoni a question, I'm going to ask how tempting was it to, since you know you have Luke Skywalker coming on board that starship, how tempting was it to have Boba Fett and Luke, like, like have Boba Fett in that control room when Luke comes in? You know, <laughs> we've all seen the meme now where it's like, you know, Luke's driving by and Boba Fett's driving by, you know, and they see each other. But anyway, um, that would have that would have been an interesting little turn. Um, but you guys are probably big Legends EU fans. So now after you, I just read you the, the quick synopsis on Wikipedia from uh, the canon history. Let me read to you from the Legends history on Wikipedia. Um, Let me put on my readers. I want to get most of this because this is quite entertaining, everybody. Aaron, while you're doing that, I will say one last thing to dovetail off what you said, which is um, you're talking about the connection between the Clone Wars era Boba Fett and the Boba Fett that we saw in The Mandalorian. And I love the quote from Wikipedia, which basically leads his bio, which is, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy, like my father before me. Which is kind of like a really nice, um, it's almost a callback to Luke. Uh, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Mm I am a Jedi like my father before me. But it's also a callback to that line that uh, Jango Fett delivered in Attack of the Clones. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Um, I really, really like the symmetry of that. So, like I said, now uh, p- please, please uh, allow me the the time to to read to you, kids, from this uh, Wikipedia entry because this kind of cracked me up as I read it. Um, it kind of maybe is why Disney made most of the EU stuff, you know, <laughs> legends. Boba Fett was a Mandalorian warrior and bounty hunter of Clan Fett. He was the only unaltered clone of the famed Jango Fett created in 32 BBY, that's battle before, before the Battle of Yavin, as Unit A-0050, one of the first of many Fett replicas designed to become the part of the Grand Army of the Republic and was raised as Jango's son. 
Django taught Boba much, training him to become a skilled bounty hunter as well as his father figure before him. In 22 BBY, Django was killed at the Battle of Geonosis, which opened the Clone Wars. Just a boy, Boba was forced to grow up and took to traveling the galaxy. Later, he became a bounty hunter and took assignments from beings such as Jabba the Hutt and achieved notoriety despite his young age. A couple little changes from there. Um, when the Empire was formed in 19 BBY, it was the perfect environment for Fett. During this time, he was also ma- he also married Sintas Vell and had a daughter named... I, pardon me, I'm just going to... He had a daughter. Uh, Fett became known as the galaxy's best bounty hunter uh, of the next several decades, often working for the Empire. He collaborated with Darth Vader on several occasions, and the Sith Lord even developed a grudging respect for Fett. In one BBY, a year after the Galactic Civil War had begun, Fett was hired to kidnap the rebel captain Juno Eclipse in order to fi- lure out a clone of Galen Merrick. Uh, Fett w- had pr- also participated in the Battle of Kamino, where Darth Vader was captured and an- about to be interrogated on Dantooine. The Mandalorian bounty hunter trailed the rogue shadow there. Fett made his most notable bounty in 3 ABY after the Battle of Yavin. Uh, when he captured rebel hero Han Solo and delivered him to Jabba the Hutt. A year later, during the Battle of the Great Pit of Carcoon, Fett fought against the group of rebel rescuers. He had inadvertently knocked into the mouth of the Sarlacc by... I didn't, re- I didn't realize it was called the Battle of the Great Pit of Carcoon, but that's kind of funny. I had no idea. Uh, he was inadvertently knocked into the mouth of the Sarlacc by Solo. Uh, though no one in recorded history has ever escaped from the Sarlacc, Fett was able to escape, though not unscathed. Thanks to his thanks to his iron will and Mandalorian armor, he was able to fight his way out of the beast's belly. Back in action, he resumed his work as a bounty hunter. After a promise made to a dying Fen Shiza, Fett became Mandalore, and eventually led the Mandalorians through. Uh, some some war. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Originally working as a mercenary for the extragalactic invaders, Fett later aided the New Republic in their battle against the aliens when uh, Yushan Vong assaulted Mandalore and bombarded the planet's surface. A large deposit of Mandalorian iron was unearthed, ironically helping to strengthen the Mandalorians. Later, during the Second Galactic Civil War, didn't realize that was something. Boba, who was still leading the Mandalorians, was plagued by ailing health. His he found he found his granddaughter Murda Gev, and the two went on many missions together, even alongside Han Solo. Fett also trained Solo's daughter Jaina to kill her twin brother Darth Cadius, and uh, assisted the Jedi Coalition in several battles. Ultimately, Fett's training helped Jaina bring down Cadius. Uh, Cadius. Uh, uh, through an Imperial uh, nanovirus attack, prevented Fett from ever returning to Mandalore. Here, Are here, you done? The, the word of Wikipedia. And, and somewhere in there, he found his best friend in bed. With his, you know, it's like you were this far away. From Can you imagine from who from had from to put piece all those books together to come up with that? Is like. You know, it's the most. Uh, so anyway, okay. So Fett at had, some point, somebody went, "Oh, come on now." So all right. Well, okay, all right. Well, this is a good point, right? Like you listen to all of that. You listen to all of that. I'm sorry, ridiculousness. And you 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 begin to see what people like myself thought of the theory that Boba Fett survived. It's like, because all of that stuff comes attached with that. It's like, oh, Boba Fett survived. And then, and then he lived this long, ridiculous life with all these crazy plot elements that, you know. So, so here's my, here's my take on this, because I'm reading that going, this is all absurd. I mean, it just, it, but I mean, all these authors did not write a Boba Fett story working with one another. So you have one coherent story. So I'll cut them some slack. But here's what made Boba Fett so dang cool is that all I had was he looked cool and he said a couple things in Empire Strikes Back and, it, and everything else was my imagination. Yep. It was a character that allowed you to create your own stories 
And, and that's what people were doing, obviously, in the EU and Legends. They were creating Boba Fett stories. But the problem is, I think they created so many Boba Fett stories that it made the character silly. And, and I, so, so I, you know, it's, I, I, I kind of like where we're at now with, you know, I can buy him getting out of the, out of the Sarlacc pit, you know? Um, and I, and I, you know, like I said, we got caught up in, well, he's acting like a good guy. And then all of a sudden at the end of season two of the Mandalorian, he kills Bib Fortuna and sits on Jabba's throne. You're like, oh yeah. Okay. He's, he's not a boy scout. Um, and again, it's like my imagination is wide open again. So Dave, I would say, I, I, I don't think it's an inherently bad thing to, to find out that backstory. And I think like, but what, to your point, which is like this mystery is what's so appealing about him. Part of that is the opportunity to fill in the blanks. So naturally, if you're a storyteller, you're going to want to start to fill in some of those blanks. And he might be the test case, the best possible example of why they reset the EU and why they said, we're starting from scratch. We're going to retell all these stories again, and we're going to do them better this time. And again, you're going to alienate a bunch of people. You're going to make some people angry who liked a lot of the stories that originally came out. But I also feel like, in in a in a case like this, with somebody like Boba Fett, it's it's an incredible canvas to paint on. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, in some ways, uh, Boba Fett is Star Wars version of the man with no name. He's right. that character who is, you know, an outlaw living on the edge by his own by his own code. And the less you know about him, the better the mystery is. The more, the moment you start filling those blanks, it's almost like you start losing a certain element of that mystique. And that doesn't necessarily mean you don't tell stories with this character. That's why, you no, know, we were so glad to have him back from Mandalorian. We're looking forward to Book of Boba Fett. But he's a lot like hot sauce. A little goes a long way. But but it's also again with all these different. It's funny that you say hot sauce because you know there are so many varieties of hot sauce mm-hmm. and it's like you read that, that legends entry. And it's like, you know, you, sometimes you got Tabasco and sometimes you got Frank's red hot and sometimes you have, you know, you know, Sriracha. yeah. So it's, uh, so again, I think that's, I think that maybe that's, that might be why a lot of people kind of Dave, to your point, you said it comes with all that baggage when all of a sudden Boba Fett's coming back, everybody's kind of like, there are some people really excited and some people are like, eh, you know, they're mm-hmm. kind of nervous about it. And I remember listening to other podcasts are like, I don't like Boba Fett, you know, never like Boba Fett as a character. And it's like, um, I don't know who beat them with a Boba Fett doll, you know, but it was like, um, because I mean, if you just had, and, and maybe that's another thing that it, that alienated people is that why Aaron, are you getting so excited over somebody who has, 30 seconds of screen time and two lines or whatever it is, you know, and that, you know, after they're developing these other characters and everybody's getting hung up on the flashy bounty hunter. Um, so he does, he comes with a lot of baggage. I mean, that's a good, that's a good word to use. He comes with a lot of baggage to fandom. We talked about that within the context of the Mandalorian when we started our podcast. Um, I don't know sure we use that exact phrase, but it, it is apt um because we we all seem to be in agreement at that stage of things it's like well yeah we we were glad it's a new character here that we're watching because it is the blank slate and you do get to just sort of fill him out in whatever direction you want to you're not committed to all this particular backstory and so uh, we were very thankful for that. And I think we also said if Boba Fett showed up, he would overshadow our main character here. We don't want that. Well, you know, by by the time season two rolls around, our main character is established. We know him. We we love him. We love Grogu. We're and ready they, to and go. And they use Boba Fett sparingly, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they they did it well. I I don't know. I mean, there's some people who might disagree with that, but I think we're all in agreement. Like, 
season two Boba Fett um, in Mandalorian was just like spot on. So now, okay. So now that I've, I've read to you from the book of Canon and the, the, for, for, okay. So from the new Testament and from the old Testament of uh, Boba Fett, <laughs> we've got, we got legends and we got Canon. Let's talk about what do we think is going to be happening. If we can, can we piece anything together from what we know now to what's going to happen in the book of Boba Fett? What, what do we think? It's, it's not going to be very many shows, I don't think. It's it, it, it the way they set it up. It seems to me like he's got a score to settle, and I don't know with who because it can't be. I'm going to run a crime syndicate now because that's a unless they're going to make multiple seasons of this, but I don't think they're gonna. Well, the interesting thing is you don't necessarily need to make multiple seasons. You could establish Boba Fett fighting the other. Uh, crime syndicates for domination of the underworld of the Star Wars galaxy. And then you can, again, sprinkle him here and there. Like, he might turn up in an episode of Ahsoka. He might turn up in an episode of uh, Rangers of the New Republic. He doesn't need to be an ever-presence. He can just pop in as and if when your story needs it. So, uh, But uh, as for this, as for the Book of Boba Fett, I, I don't know. It's an interesting dilemma because the shot that you get in his actions in the end of season two uh, post credit scene leads you to believe, okay, he's coming to be the man. He's coming to be the boss. But again, how much do we know of the guy that makes I, you think that's what he wants? I also think we're going to learn a little bit maybe or get some clues with Fennec Shand being in the Bad Batch um, mm-hmm. coming up in a few weeks. Because um, you just don't put Fennec Shan, uh, that that seems kind of odd that that character is there. I think it's there for a purpose. I think it's going to give us, you know, I almost wonder if there is, because we could potentially see Boba Fett in the Bad Batch. So maybe Boba Fett and Fennec Shan have a past that we didn't know about. Because otherwise, why would he save just some random person dying in a Tatooine desert? I, I also am really curious as to what is the meaning of that final sequence, mm-hmm. because we're not get we didn't really get any backstory there uh, for why he would have a vendetta against, um, you know, Chubbs there at the end, uh, Chubbs Fortuna, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we didn't really get anything there. It was like, well, wait, was this sort of out of left field? sort of cool but what's going on i don't understand it so is that the ending of the new series or is there going to be a lot of flashbacks used to to kind of fill in some of this backstory that we don't know um i would suspect that would be that that they would employ a lot of that sort of storytelling because it's like that's that's really what we're curious about it's like okay well how did you survive um you know it ha, what's the nature of your relationship with Fennec Shan uh what's you know why do you even care about tattooing at this point um I think there's a there's a there is a lot of stuff they can mine there and I, w- I would love to hear about all of it but right now it's like okay so now you're he's sitting on the throne Jabba's throne and is presumably a crime syndicate boss on tattooing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's to me the most interesting part of his story. That feels like you said, like feels more the ending than the beginning. Yeah. Uh, particularly if he just strolled down, shot Chubby Fortuna, and uh, and uh, you know, and uh, just sat on his throne like that. That seems a culmination. Uh, I also will say, I don't necessarily know that I want it all to be flashbacks, all to be told. Again, this is a character where you always want to leave a certain amount of mystery and aura of unpredictability, because it leaves an aura of, of unpredictability that he carries. You never know whose side he's on beyond his own. Well, so he might be coming to help you, he might be coming to hurt you. It's like a, it's like a series that Robert Wool did on uh, HBO. He said, when, when the legend is better than the truth, tell the legend you know so i'm with you it's like how did he get out of the the sarlacc pit it's like 
doesn't matter. You know, it's like whatever, whatever people say, that's how it happened. You know what I mean? Um, but so I, um, I don't know, Fredo, I kind of interrupted you there, but so where, where, where do you think, I, I never thought about that, that the, what we saw was maybe the end of that series, but, um, I don't know. What do, what do you think? What do you, do you think there is anything in these past legends stories that can be used for the book of Boba Fett? That's, or like, as like maybe some source material. Yeah, good. There, there is some potential. I mean, let's just say the, the, the one smart thing uh, Disney has done while respecting and, you know, recognizing that they're not the whole intelligence, they've been willing to go back and take as needed. So characters, whether it's Grand Admiral Thrawn or um, some of the, some elements from Legends, they've been willing to bring him forward, which is good. But I also think, so I think um, there's a possibility there. I, I do think, well, in some ways I agree with Dave, I think that the ending, I mean, the, the, the teaser scene at the end of season two feels like an ending. I do wonder if where would go from there. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in finding out if it's we're going to get the whole background story of Boba Fett from young um, bounty hunter out on his own or if we're going to move forward into the future. Well, again, we have no idea of what's coming up in Bad Batch, really. We know that Fennec Shand is going to be in there. I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get some little tidbits that's going to feed into the later story. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. So I suppose maybe, maybe what we need to do is on our uh, on our Twitter account we might have to put up a poll and see what how people feel about Boba Fett. Yeah, is uh <laughs> you know is he you know awesome? Is he you know I don't know. We'll have to put up a poll and see what you guys think about Boba Fett. Um, it's a, uh, but it is, it's, it's more, he's such a character that I'm not, I don't want to say legends, be, a legend because we say legends, but he is a legend. I mean, it is, it's Boba Fett is that character of it's whatever you make of him. Um, and I will tell you being in the 501st, if you're trooping with somebody who's there in Boba Fett armor, then you are second banana. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to build up expectations too much because like the, the synopsis and the information that we've gotten to this point about book of Boba Fett is that it's going to be set in this same time frame, And it's going to be about this basic time period for of his life. But I like book of Boba Fett to me is so compelling because it's almost like you're, you could go into the legend of Boba Fett if you wanted to, and you could tell these from a certain point of view kind of stories of him, you know, popping into people's lives and, you know, what was this, what was this crazy bounty hunter doing, you know, and telling an in and out kind of a story a you know, a 30 to 40 minute story, move on to the next episode that has nothing to do with the previous episode. Um, you could go that route if you wanted to, but I really don't think that's what we're going to get here. So the alarm went off, but I'll, I'll leave this last thing I'll ask you guys. How much would you give for a like five-minute Han Solo Harrison Ford cameo with Boba Fett? You mean de-aged? Well, they can do that. Why not? But of course, it's also, you know, it's, you know, it's put, just put some, you know, just for men in his hair and, you know, and kind of dude wrote it. Han Solo rode his bike from like, what was it? Like he from uh, he just went on like a 73 mile bike ride. It was mm-hmm. nuts. But anyway, so, yeah, I think you could de him, but I don't know. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, if you want to if you want to make every, you know, fans, you know, dream come true. Uh, see that's 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 kind of what's interesting because on the one hand i don't think you could have any other major star wars character like that because who else connects with boba fett on that level i mean it's either han solo or mace windu yeah 
and it is it's it's one of those things is what is his motivation so we don't know what the motivation for this show is we'll just let our imaginations run wild but let us know online what you think about uh, boba fett as a character do you dig him do you not dig him um and uh, see if you can find some of those legend books and see how he uh you know what trains han solo's daughter <laughs> hey what one last thought you guys said you know his connections with han and mace are very intense his connection with luke skywalker is very intense as well and you talked about how we didn't get any sort of a um we missed we had a misconnection at the end of season two would they be willing to do a luke boba fett connection in the book of boba fett you know okay so i we're i, I will say this i always kind of uh get a little uh miffed at that it's like why why is boba fett so bent out of shape that luke shows up and ruins his day it, you know it's just one of those kind of like i don't know it it, it just it, it luke really didn't do anything to boba fett you know and han accidentally hit his jetpack so if anybody should be mad if he should be mad at anybody he should be mad at himself uh, but however i will say this the best boba fett is the robot chicken boba fett <laughs> so everybody needs to go and watch just do all the just do all of the just go on youtube and find all of the the uh the boba fett robot chicken skits because breckenmeyer does a that that's the voice i hear with boba fett i forget the point i forgot the point you got any more umbrellas ellas ellas <laughs> so with that um check us out online uh you know we're on twitter we're on facebook um and uh, and share our podcast with folks and leave a leave a nice review if you would that'd be kind of fun um and uh but until then we and oh, don't forget may the 4th zoni mash be checking out that's in new orleans by the way for anybody who listens so if you're trying to figure out where zoni mash is um if you're not from new orleans don't come to new orleans because we're still getting over COVID here <laughs> but uh anyway uh zoni mash may the 4th um and uh we'll have more details on our twitter account and on facebook i'm sure um until then we will say who dat who dat who dat and everybody have a awesome Bacanti.